0: Today we begin a new Masechta, Masechta's Psachim, which of course is about Chag HaPesach, the Yom that commemorates Yetzias Mitzrayim. The placement of this mesachta immediately following Masechta Shabbos and Ervin, which you really go together, is a testament to the fact that the Chag HaPesach gets to the very foundation of Yahadus of Aramunah, namely our belief that Hashem not only created the world, and rested on Shabbos, but that Hashem is the constant conductor of the world's affairs, both large and small. And this was Hashem's purpose in Tignas Adam Mitzrayim in the dramatic fashion that he did through the Makos, through Kriyas Yamsev, to powerfully convey the message for all time that Hashem is the orchestrator of all affairs, hence the Makos and the Kriyas Yamsev all of the wondrous things that occurred during Yitzis Mitzrayim, it showed for all time that if Hashem wants something to happen that's totally against the so-called laws of nature, then that will happen. Indeed, the mitzvah to remember Yitzis Mitzrayim is embedded within the first of the Aser Dibros. The mitzvah to believe in Hashem doesn't say, Anochi Hashem Malokecha, who created Shemayim Varetz, But it says, I am Hashem your God, in other words, believe, and I am Hashem your God who took you out of Mitzrayim. So we see that part and parcel of the most fundamental mitzvah of believing in Hashem is the belief that Hashem runs all the affairs of the world. And thus we find a disproportionate amount of mitzvahs that apply to Chag Pesach over all of the other mo'adim. And the mitzvahs of Chagah Pesach form the topic of this Mesachta. Uh, you will note that the Mesachta is not called Pesach, but Pesachim, plural. Itos' Yomtev explains that the plural Pesachim alludes to the halach of Pesach Sheini. That is that, of course, in the time of the base of Migdash, the nation on Arab Pesach on the 14th of Nisan brought a carbon Pesach. The Torah says if a person was unable to bring the carbon due to being in a state of ritual impurity... Or because the person couldn't make it to the base of English area in time, then he brings a Pesach Sheni, he brings a makeup, from Pesach, if you will, a month later on the 14th of Iyar. Hence, so, the Masachta is called Psachim, or Pesach Rishon, the standard time. I bring Krem Pesach on the 14th of Nisan, Pesach Sheni. for those who have to make it up, they bring that on the 14th of Iyar. The Mi'iri explains that in the days of the Ge'onim, this mesect was actually divided into two. There was mesectas pesach rishon and mesectas pesach sheni. Mesectas pesach rishon consisted of chapters one through four plus chapter ten, which discuss the laws of pesach that are still applicable even without the base of megdash, namely the prohibition not to have chametz and the mitzvah to have matzah and maror and all the mitzvahs we perform at the seder. And mesectas pesach sheni. Consisted of chapters five through nine of our Masechta, which discuss the laws of carbon Pesach. The Masechta begins with the discussion of the mitzvah of Bidika's chametz, the mitzvah of searching for the chametz. So, basic understanding of this mitzvah you know, requires us to first go to the severe prohibition in the pasuk that says, "Velo ye'achel chametz." Targ says in Bo, You shall not chametz." That is, you shall not eat a leavened product of the five major grains, for example wheat, but mix the wheat flour with water and let that rise to the point that's considered as leavened, then that's chametz. If a person eats a kazais of that on Pesach, Torah says, V'nichrusa Yisrael, Then he's liable to the severe punishment of kareis, which is essentially death from Shemaim. If it happened inadvertently, then he would bring a carbon chatos. Not only that, the halachi is that it's prohibited to even benefit from chametz. So, for example, you have know, to feed it to one's animals or sell it to a non-Jew. Doing that you know, when the time of the prohibition of chametz begins is forbidden as well. Consuming chametz is only punishable with kareis if somebody you know, does it deliberately on Chag Pesach itself. Meaning, starting from nightfall of the 15th of Nisan, you know, the night before the 15th in Halakha that already is considered the 15th, that's when the Yisra of chametz begins. But Chazal Darshan from the Pasuk, there already is a prohibition of chametz starting from midday of the 14th of Nisan. But Chazal Darshan from the Pasik in Parshas Re'eh it says, V'zavachta Pesach Lashem, slaughter Pesach Farshem, so that's of course Er Pesach, the 14th of Nisan, and then it says, Lo so sochal olav chametz. The pasuk implies that already at that time, the time of the offering of harbon pesach, the fourteenth of Nisan, you shall not eat chametz. And so, since the time to bring harbon pesach is the afternoon of the fourteenth, Chazal derives that already starting from midday of the fourteenth of Nisan, it's forbidden to have chametz aside from the prohibitions, not to eat chametz or benefit from chametz. Tara says that starting from midday on the 14th of Nisan, it's forbidden for a Jew to be in possession of Chametz. As the Pasuk in Bo states, chametz. chametz shall not be seen. And it says, Shivas yomim seor lo The seven days of Pesach, seor, which means Chametz that shall not be found in your houses. Meaning that it's forbidden for a Jew to be in possession of Chametz, meaning halachic ownership of Chametz from midday of the 14th of Nisan. The Torah says, that to ensure that Jew will not be in violation of this provision, it says, Therefore, harishon, which seems to mean the first day of Pesach, you shall be tashibisu, make it cease, the seor, the chametz, from your homes. Chazal edarshin that this pasik, the phrase Bayom HaRishon, actually refers to Erev Pesach. That is, the pasik on the basic level is saying that starting midday of the 14th of Nisan, there is a mitzvah to destroy any chametz that's found. We fulfill the literal implication of this through the mitzvah of burning chametz on the morning of the 14th of Nisan, but practically speaking, the obligation is to ensure that to come midday the 14th of Nisan, a Jew is not in possession of any Chametz. Now, technically, from the standpoint of the bare requirement in terms of the biblical obligation, one would be in compliance by merely performing a bittle belave, a mental nullification of any Chametz that might be under his ownership before midday of the 14th of Nisan. The mechanics of this bittle belave is something that's discussed among the Rishonim. It's either a form of I mean, the same way if you physically burn the chametz, that obviously you know, is the you know, actual destruction of it. So too, if one in his mind says that, that chametz is deemed to me as the dust of the earth, then halachically the chametz is zapped, it's gone. Or it could be that it works through the mechanism of hefker. Now what the person is saying is that I declare all my chametz as ownerless, and thus yeah, he's in compliance because the prohibition we mentioned about Yura, by Yimatzay is coming into Pesach owning chametz. Well, here he made sure not to own any chametz coming into Pesach. So technically, even if his house is filled up with chametz, if he was mevatel the chametz, believe, you know, completely resolved in his heart, this chametz is batel and hefker to me like the dust of the earth, then he would be in compliance with the biblical obligation. However, the Rebundant said that this is not sufficient. For We could easily imagine how in the real world, if a person you know, just satisfies his obligation through this you know, mental nullification, this could lead to problems. So, you know, Imagine he finds a delicious piece of chametz, a Pesach, that he was mevatel. Okay, but now he sees this delicious piece of chametz. Maybe now he's going to change his mind on that, and uh, this will reveal that the Birtal wasn't genuine. Or worse, maybe i will take a bite out of that delicious-looking piece of chametz, because he's not used to a prohibition not to eat chametz. Therefore, in practice, the rabbinic said that we have to take a two-pronged approach to dealing with chametz. That is, we need to do both bital and bidika. That is, we make sure to nullify all the chametz that may be under our ownership, known or unknown, seen or unseen. We also physically conduct a bidika. Specifically, we do a thorough search of all places where it's plausible. A person may have brought chametz. You know, it's normal for him to bring chametz there. And we remove and dispose of any chametz that we find there. The Mesachta begins with the teaching that Chazal established a requirement of Vedigas chametz the night before the 14th of Nisan. So in Halacha, that's already the 14th of Nisan. So the night before our Pesach, then we should specifically search for chametz in you know, places where it would be expected that a person may be brought chametz. Now, practically speaking, a person will in all likelihood need to start searching before the night of the 14th. But Chazal decreed that there should be you know, a formal performance of bedikas chametz the night of the 14th to complete the mitzvah and make sure we're not in possession of any chametz in order to be in compliance with the negative commandment that says thou shalt not be in possession of chametz. Starting from midday of the 14th and through Lichag of Pesach. So the Mesechta begins, or so la'ar ba'asar, bot kemesach la'or haner. The Mesechta begins with an unusual way of referring to the night of the 14th. Normally the Mishnah would say, leil BrAsar, But the Tana would prefer not to begin the Mesechta with the word Layla, as darkness. Rather, the Tana employs the euphemism of or, light of the 14th. It almost sounds like the morning of the 14th, but as the Gemara explains, it really means the night of the 14th. Chazal required that then we search our homes and the places where it's plausible we brought chametz by the light of a candle. For in a way, that affords a better means of searching for the chametz than even broad daylight. And you're able to get in those nooks and crannies and you'll focus on that better when you have the contrast, you have the arhanir. Lighting up those nooks and crannies, which may reveal some overlooked chametz. With this, as we mentioned, is one of the two-pronged approach. This is in addition to the Bittal requirement, which has to make sure before the midday of the 14th, to be mevatel beleiv, and we have a formula, words that we say to express that we are Mavatal beleiv, any chametz that may be in our Roshas, whether we saw it or not. Once again, the Rabbanon said we have to do both things, both the Bital and the Bidika, as we explained. The Mishnah then states, Any places on one's property where there's no, no reason to imagine that he brought the chametz there any time throughout the year, such as a wine cellar. The Mishnah assumes that wine cellar is not a place generally where people are going to bring food, bring chametz. And so the basic halacha regarding such places is that no bidika is required. The Mishnah then asks a question on itself, why then did they say, in apparent reference to an earlier Mishnahic teaching, that one actually should perform a bidigas chametz among the two shuros, literally rose, we'll see exactly what it means, it basically means a person should check a portion or part of the front section of his stacks of barrels of wine in the wine cellar to make sure there's no chametz there. So doesn't that contradict what we just stated here, that if in all likelihood chametz was not brought there, there's no requirement to check in for chametz? The Mishnah answers that that teaching, indicating there is some kind of a requirement of medika's chametz in a wine cellar, refers to makam shemach nisim bo chametz, a type of wine cellar where it actually is conceivable that some chametz ended up there. For example, it's a wine cellar that the butler will... Go to, to fetch some wine in the middle of a meal. That wasn't uncommon for for the butler, the waiter, to grab some bites to eat, you know, as he's working. When he's not, you know, at the table there, you take a little bit of food with him and eat that so it's conceivable that maybe he took some muhammads in hand, you know, took a roll or something with him, as he was going to fetch some more wine when they needed a refill in the middle of the meal. So the is acknowledging that, okay, if that's the case. If there's a reason to believe that Hametz was brought in the wine cellar, then there indeed will be this requirement to inspect the so called Shtei Shuros, the two rows, we'll see it's not exactly rows according to Beshamai of the uh, stacks of barrels of wine in the cellar. The mission represents the dispute Besham is Hillel regarding the definition of the Shtei Shuros. So what does this mean exactly? That he has to check the two Shuros. Omri says what does it mean it means the entire front layer of this kind of box of stacked barrels and the entire top layer so imagine a person you know fills up his cellar with barrels of wine begins by you know setting up a bunch of rows and then another set of rows on top of that and another and another until there's a whole cube formed by these sets of rows so one on top of Another, So Vishami says, if it could be they brought some bread in there, the requirement is to check the entire front surface of this cube. So we're talking about all the rows that are stacked up, that would face the person as he enters the wine cellar, plus the entire top layer of the cube. It's meaning from the front of the cellar to the back of the cellar, that top portion checks all those as well to make sure there's no chametz there and then. That satisfies the obligations and doesn't have to start taking apart the whole cube for there's basically no chance that the chametz would have been brought there. But as usual, Basil says all that's required is to check the two uh, rows, and basil literally means rows, they're closest to the top, meaning... Bacillus rules, you don't have to even check all of the rows you know, stacked up nearest the front of the cellar, Right? you could just check the two rows of the you know, front section of this cube that are closest to the ceiling, and that's enough. If you have you know, a safer, and you can see a diagram of this, that'd be very helpful, but essentially Bacillus is saying it's literally just two rows. It's not even an entire face of this uh, cube of stacks of rows of barrels. For the gesture two rows. You're starting from the top at the front, the one you know, closest to the ceiling, and then a row below that. That's the way Rob the Gemara explains Vesela's opinion.